saying we're in the middle of a little bit of a series at the moment, four weeks, on thinking about raising our spiritual temperature. Uh, we've been thinking that uh, for all of us at different stages, uh, we could be anywhere on that scheme. We could be at one for God, we might even be at zero for God, right up to some of us might even be at ten. If we're at 10, that'd be pretty exciting. Uh, but we're in that range, aren't we? All of us are somewhere there. Some of us might be checking out what it is to follow Jesus. Some of us would have been following Jesus for years. Some of it might have been following Jesus only just recently. But within all of that, we've been thinking about how do we raise our spiritual temperature? How do we get to a point where we desire to want to live for God in all of our lives? So we've been thinking about that over the last couple of weeks. Uh, the first week we looked at reading God's Word. Uh, so often I think we forget the most basic thing God's given us in one sense is his word, his Bible. Uh, we've got heaps of them on the shelves. It's very easy for us to have, but in years gone past that hasn't been the case and people died so that we could have it. Uh, and the other thing is that when we pick up God's word, the Bible, it is actually God's word to us. And that's powerful. And then uh, last week we looked at that, as we look into that, we see that God desires for us to have a life that is completely lived for Him. That we all worship something, and sometimes our worship goes in lots of different directions at times, but ultimately we're designed to worship, and we're designed to worship the One who created us, God. And as we have a whole reorientation of our life towards all of that, it changes how we live. Uh, and so today we're going to be thinking a bit more about that. We're going to be thinking about how that changes our life to live together. So if you've got the Bible, uh, open up to Hebrews chapter 10. And we're going to be looking at verses 19 through to 25. And Jane's going to come and read that for us. Yes, Hebrews chapter 10, um, from 19 to 25. A call to persevere. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from, the, from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the faith we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more, as you see the day approaching. The Lord add his blessing to that. Thanks, Jane. Oh, man. Feeling. Do, do we have to go to Sunday? It's Sunday morning, I know, but do we have to turn up to Sunday morning and gather with all those people? Man, look, I saw them last week. And look, I've been twice this month. Goodness sake, do I really have to turn up this Sunday? You know, oh, and those groups we meet during the week, do we have to turn up to them? Look, some of those people I like, but some of them, man, do I really have to spend time with them? Do I have to get up this Sunday? Oh, strike. 
Come on. I feel like that some Sunday mornings. I think, man, do I have to go up and preach again, for goodness sake. I do it every week. They don't listen. It doesn't matter. Why do I turn up every week to do this? Oh, come on. And then Corinne says, no, you've got to. You're paid to. Get out there. Come on. It's tough. Yeah, sometimes it is tough. Sometimes we feel like that, don't we? Sometimes we think, oh, man, do I really want to do that? Do I really want to gather with people again? Do I want to do that? You know, it's tough. We feel like that at times. Well, it is good to gather, guys. Because uh, you see, actually, the reason why we gather is not just because it's Sunday, not just because we've got groups during the week. It's not because we have to do this, but it's because we're created to do this. You see, we're actually created for community. You and I are actually created for community. You and I are not created to be by ourselves in the world. What did God say to Adam when he first saw him? Uh, back in the garden, he said, it's not good for you to be alone, mate. Strike. You need someone and you need people and we need people. Actually, we all need people. We're actually designed to be in community. We're designed to be to gather together. And when we don't gather together, it's actually a detriment to us. It's not good for us. Uh, I was reading an article, Time Magazine, great magazine. I just find stuff in it every time. Every week I come up with something. Else. But Time Magazine this week, I only just read it. There's an article in there for what they call intentional communities. It's a bit about like the old commune, I suppose, uh, that we used to have at the back of Nimbin uh, and other places. Uh, but they're actually springing up all over America, and I'm assuming they're probably in Australia as well, but they're called intentional communities where people are deliberately moving to places and buying plots of land next to each other and where their doors open out to each other. So this one here is one example. So their front doors basically open out and their gardens are all together. Uh, in other places in America, they've got them in units, blocks of units in flats, and one or two floors, and all those floors have in the middle of them, all their doors have, have their own bedrooms and kitchens and, and bathrooms and so forth, so you can have your own space. But they open up into common areas. So they have a big, great chef-designed kitchen in the middle. They have a, a common area where you can go and watch the movies together. They have a coffee area. And so the people actually can come and gather in the middle of their places because we're designed for community. Now, some people, uh, we know, don't we, in Australia, we tend to think, well, let's just put up walls and gates and close everything in, keep our own backyards and our own areas. And look, that can be good in places, can't it? But in the end, they're actually finding that the more we separate ourselves from people, the worse it is for us. And they're actually finding studies, health-wise, that it actually is a detriment to us, that our mental state... When we're by ourselves, when we're alone, loneliness is one of the greatest parts of causing people to have psychosis and psychiatric trauma. And studies are saying that if you're lonely, you're 50% more likely to die earlier than someone who isn't. You see, we're designed for community and loneliness kills, literally. 
And don't get me wrong, there's some of us in this place here I know who love to be by themselves for a period of time. And some of us are introverts. It's not me. But some of us are introverts and we like our space. But you can't be by yourself forever. And actually, if you are by yourself forever, then it's a detriment to your health, it's a detriment to your mentality, and it's a detriment to you spiritually. Because we are created for community. You see, God hasn't just made us to be by ourselves, and he hasn't just saved us to be ourselves, by ourselves. You see, when Jesus uh, grabs us and takes us and we put our trust in him, he actually saves us into his family, not into our own little clique or group or a personal relationship just here, but actually into a family, into a community. And that's what that first part of the verse said in Hebrews chapter 10. Therefore, brothers and sisters, he already uses the term, doesn't he? He doesn't say, hey, you individual and you individual and uh, you person over there. He says, brothers and sisters. He puts a familial, a family terminology to this. Since we have the confidence in the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, since we're able to enter into the presence of God, he says, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain of his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with sincere heart, with full assurance of faith, because he has made us clean to be part of his family. We have actually been saved by Jesus to be in community with each other. You see, God is building his family. Uh, lots of terminology in the Bible is about God's family, his people, his children, or his shepherd, or we're one body, or we're connected. It's all this interconnectedness. Because we were never designed to travel the road of following Jesus by ourselves. And when we do, it's tough, isn't it? It's tough to follow Jesus by ourselves. Like, don't get me wrong, you're not, it's not that you're saved by following Jesus in a community. You're saved by following Jesus. But when you're saved by following Jesus, you're actually brought into a community because that's the best place for you. It's the best place for you to grow. Jesus just didn't walk around by himself, did he? Jesus gathered 12 guys together. And then he entered into family homes, he had dinners, he went to weddings, he was involved in lots of stuff. He had moments when he went off by himself. But he always came back and he always brought people in. And he's the son of God. He's the one who created us. He says it's best for us to be in community with each other. You see, once we're in family with God, we are his family. And we're his family forever. I don't know what happens in your household, but I've got four children. And there's a really big thing that's happened over the last few years, because as my children have got uh, boyfriends and girlfriends, or girlfriends and boyfriend, there's, there's three boys and one girl, so it's... Anyway. Um, so as uh, they've had that, there's been this really big decision that you make. I don't know if you've ever found it. It's the big decision. When do you put their partners in the Christmas drawer for presents? When, when do you bring them in? At what point do you decide that they become part of the family and you actually start, they get a present in the family? That's a huge decision. It's a big decision. It's a pressure decision. You know, is it, have they been going out for a couple of months? Have they made some sort of commitment to each other? Or are they engaged? Have they been around for a year? At what point do they actually say, you're in? 
And that's it. Once you start, you're in the drawer for the family presents, you're in. That's the family spot, isn't it? Sam Cunningham is going out with Hannah at the moment, isn't there yet. <laughs> He's only a couple of months in, that bloke. He hasn't got there. He's got to wait. It's a big decision, guys, isn't it? It's huge. I feel it. Once I've let them in, they're in. All right? Well, I know. <laughs> Dear old Sam, we love him, or we think. Um, but it's huge, isn't it? It's huge. Uh, it's a big decision, isn't it? Once you, that's it. But you know, with God, it's not once you're in, you're in. There's not a, there's not a lag period. There's not, well, if you say that you're following me for six months, you're in, or you've been committed for a few years now, you're in. No, no, God says, when you trust and believe in Jesus, you're in. You've got everything. There's no more presence. It's all yours. You get the whole kit and caboodle. You get me. That is phenomenal, isn't it? It's a wonderful thing. You don't have to worry about whether your name's going to be pulled out of the drawer. And this year, I'm in. No, I'm in. I'm there. You're there. If you trust and believe in Jesus, you are part of his family. And when you're brought into your, his family, then you've been given as gifts to each other. Have you ever thought that? Have you ever thought the person that's beside you who's not your husband or your wife, they're gifts too, but who's not your husband and your wife, who's around you today, that they're actually gifts to you from God. And you're actually a gift to them. That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, we feel sorry for them from our <laughs> position, don't we? But... That's a beautiful thing, isn't it? And that changes your perception, doesn't it? So when you come here on Sunday morning, or when you gather in your gospel community, or when you gather at any time during the week when you're other people around, you're actually being a gift to that person. And when you come, you're a gift to them, and, and they're a gift to you. And when we gather together like this, we're gifts to each other. And so when we look at each other, we say, yes, thank you, God, for Karen. How good is it that she's here? How good is it to see Laz here? How good is it to see Sammy here? How good is it to see all of us here? We look around and say, God, you've given us all these people. Praise the Lord. How good is it that God's done that? It's a wonderful thing. That's a wonderful thing when we get together, isn't it? It's a wonderful thing when we get together. Yeah, man, we can feel like, oh, they're a gift, but sometimes you think, man, they're like a thorn in your side. But no, they're gifts. We're gifts to each other, guys. God has given us as gifts to each other. That changes the perspective of how we think about it, doesn't it? Because therefore, if we're a gift to each other, then our role in that is that we're able to help each other to live lives of worship together. That's what our gift is to each other. Because a life of worship is a life that's lived as Jesus at the centre, isn't it? With Jesus as the one who orientates everything that we do. We live a life that is designed to live like Jesus. Not that we have to wear our hair like him or sandals like him, but in character, the way that he lived amongst people. That's what he desires us to do, and he desires us to do that together, not by ourselves. You see, to raise our spiritual temperature, God has done a phenomenal thing, hasn't he? He's given us of himself. He's given us his spirit. He's given us his word. He's given us... The fact that we can live our lives through him, but he's also given us each other. Look at what he says there. 
uh, in verse 25, do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. When you get up that Sunday morning, we go, man, I really don't want to go today. But actually, it's good if you go. It's good for the people who are there and it's good for you. Sometimes medicine doesn't taste good, does it? But it's good for us. Sometimes it may, we may not feel like it, but actually when you get here and when you're amongst people, it gives you a lift. It does. You look around and you say, man, there's all these other people who are feeling like me. They were probably feeling like they didn't want to turn up this morning either, but they're here. They've made the effort to be here. How good is it that they're here? How good is it that we're here together? You know, if your spiritual temperature is dropped or is dropping, then I reckon you'll find that your gathering with others is dropping as well. Or has dropped. You see, God knows what's best for us. And he gives us what's best to us in Jesus. He gives us what's best to us in himself. He gives us what's best to us in his spirit, in his word, and he gives what's best to us in each other. So he wants to encourage us to meet together, guys. To do it, to get out and make that effort. You know? We're going to meet times when we need to retreat. Don't get me wrong, there's going to be times when we need to go back and to spend some time quietly by ourselves. I mean, we do need to turn the TV on for a moment and watch the sport without anyone cheering for the team that we don't like. You know, not ours. Maybe we do need some space to do that at times. But you can't stay there because, you see, that's what Satan wants you to do. Satan does not want you to gather together because he knows if he can separate you out and hold you here, you are more likely to get pinned by him. But when you're together, that's so much harder. And so when we get together, uh, this is what someone put up recently, I read, the, so that you don't have to come on Sundays. Uh, this is a response to say that people didn't keep visiting church. This is the no excuse Sunday. Uh, to make it possible for everyone to attend church next Sunday, we're going to have a special no excuse Sunday. Uh, cots will be placed in the foyer for those who say, Sunday's my only day to sleep in. Uh, there'll be a special section with lounge chairs for those who feel that our pews are too hard. As a little bit of it at least days. Eye drops will be available for those with tired eyes from watching TV late Saturday night or getting home from the cricket late. Uh, we'll have steel helmets for those who say the roof would cave in if I ever came to church. Uh, blankets will be furnished for those who think the church is too cold and fans for those who say it's too hot. Uh, sometimes we can use those excuses, isn't it? But really what we're saying is we want to gather, not because we provide those things, but because we're here. That's why God wants us together. He wants us together because he knows that when we're here together, we actually spur one another on. See to it, brothers and sisters, that no one has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. See, he knows that if we don't get together and encourage one another, then sin and dragging us away from God can happen so much easier. Sin's deceitfulness can get in amongst us if we're not encourage one another on. You see, community shapes character. Community shapes character. Uh, in 1 Corinthians it says, uh, bad company corrupts good character. 
the opposite of that is exactly true too, isn't it? If you're a parent, you know that when your kids grow up, the one thing you want to have around them are good peers. Don't you? Because you know those peers are the ones that influence them so much. Well, guys, it's the same when you get older. Good peers influence your character. Now, don't get me wrong, next week I'm going to talk about being out in the community and around the community and part of the community with people who don't follow Jesus. I'm not saying, we're not saying remove yourself into a monastery with others. We're saying we gather together as a community so that we can be on mission together so we don't get caught and dragged away, but we're on it together. I'm going to talk about that next week. But at this point in time, what we're saying is to raise your spiritual temperature is we want to gather together. Make every effort to do that so that we can spur one another on toward love and good deeds, it says in verse 24, doesn't it? And consider how we can spur one another on to love and good deeds. Have you thought about that? Have you thought about when you turn up here on Sunday or when you go to your gospel community during the week or when you meet with someone during the week, how can I actually spur them on towards love and good deeds, which are to live like Jesus, to live a life of worship? How can I spur, how can I encourage people to do that? Have you deliberately thought about that? That's what this passage is saying. Consider it. Have a think about that. Think about what you can do. Encourage to pray for them. Ask them what you can be praying for. Encourage them about what they're reading in the Bible. Tell them what you've been reading in the Bible. Encourage them in that. Tell them what you're seeing God doing around you. I got a great text from Matt Harper on uh, Friday night. He's not in here, but that's okay. Uh, on Friday night, and he said, did you just see what the Fijians did at the beginning of their um, game? And I, well, I wasn't, I was in the middle of a meeting in, in Sydney. <sighs> Such a wonderful meeting. I was in the middle of a meeting and I missed it, but then I saw the end of it. Did you see the end of it? Of the game? Did you see the end of the game? At the end of the game, the Fijians got all the Australians and all the Fijians into this big circle around their arms, and the captain of the Fijian team led them in a praise song. He led them in a praise song and then he bowed and he prayed for all of them. It was phenomenal. <laughs> and Matt texted me, I didn't know, I didn't forgot they were even playing. Um, he texted me, and so I, when I got back home, I got on and I watched it and I saw that as so encouraging. Do little things like that. Text someone when you've seen something that God's doing or what he's done or stick it up on Facebook or do things that just build other people up. Spur each other on. When you get here on Sunday, spur each other on. I don't know how you, whether you realise, realise this or not, but actually just being here spurs people on. It's really horrible when I stand here on Sundays and there's just hardly anyone here. <laughs> there goes 20 hours of work. Whew, it's gone. But for you too, isn't it? When you look around, like today we're not pretty full when the kids are here, it's, it's encouraging, isn't it? You sit back and when you see the kids flood out the back, I just go, wow, that's fantastic, I can go home now. That's almost as good as what I say. Maybe better sometimes. But it's great, isn't it? Just gathering together. That's why our gospel communities are so much what we want to encourage you to do. I know they can be hard, I know they can be different, I know sometimes the questions I set for you aren't great and you think, oh man, what's he on about? This is just bizarre. But it's just even getting together. My questions might be hopeless, but you get together around God's Word and let the Word speak to you. It's God's Word that speaks, it's not me. 
You sit down, you read God's word together, encourage one another, spur one another, forget my questions if you really want to. I wouldn't encourage you to do that all the time, but you can forget them. But just get around God's word together and spur each other on. You know, the Spirit works through that. It's not my questions that specifically the Spirit works, it's through His word. That's why we gather together. That's why we want to encourage you to do that, because it encourages us to have a life of worship, doesn't it? Encourages us to grow in our love for people around us and our love for the world. And encourages us to become more like Jesus in every way. So can I encourage you? I know it's hard. I keep saying, I know there are moments when we just don't feel like it. We'll push through the feelings, guys, because it's ultimately what's best for you. And it's not just what's best for you, but it's best for the others. Because we're gifts to each other from God. To gather together. To spend time together. To spur one another on to a life of worship. To a life of love. To a life like Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we know there's moments when we feel like we just want to hide and uh, get back into our own little cave. But Lord, if we stay in that cave and if we hide for too long, that's really dangerous to us. Physically, mentally, and especially spiritually, Lord. Heavenly Father, you have saved us and brought us into your family, Lord. We are gifts to each other that you have brought together. Lord, help us to see that. Help us to understand that. Help us to be encouraged by that, Lord, and help us to gather together regularly, Lord, to spur one another on to live the life that you've got planned for us, a life of worship to you, Lord. Encourage us in that, Lord. Stop Satan from getting in our ear and holding us back and pulling us back, Lord. But may your spirit speak boldly into our lives and push us forward into it, Lord. Heavenly Father, it is a wonderful blessing. Your people. Your family. Our people. Our family. Lord, encourage us to continue to meet together. To spur one another on to love and good deeds, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.